I'm Deidre. I'm Dina. Welcome to Ozark's Paints and Hooch. This ain't no fancy academic. Check your references. Kind of deal. This is three sisters from the Ozarks. Sipping and spewing. About paint, hooch, and history. everybody welcome to ozarks haints and hooch the third season hooray all we got was a woo out of dina (laughs) um this is dawn and i'm here with dina and we're excited hi we're (laughs) excited about um this third season and we've got lots of big changes so before uh, we get into the stories and stuff, let me um, talk about some of those. So, and Dina, make sure I say everything. So um, we are gonna uh, actually have a brand new format in this third season. Um, Pam, our friend Pam has decided to go off and pursue some other creative endeavors. So she will come back maybe for some guest spots. Um, but she won't be a regular um, Ozarks hoochie for a while. And our sister Deidre um, is fighting cancer and um, she's stable and doing really well, but she gets tired really easy. So for right now, it's going to be just me and Dina and I think we'll be fine. Sure. Well, so, uh, because you know how professional this podcast was prior to that, Um, because we have weird Wi-Fi's, I'm about to have a big storm, the skies all turned yellow, and it was almost like being in the Ozarks again. Um, So we have technical issues, I have a cat that is hurling himself at my body, Dina has dogs and cats and kids and husbands. And uh, so you have to excuse us for the technical difficulties. Um, wherever you are, subscribe and give us all the ratings, stars, and all of that that you can. Yep. We release, oh, sorry, Dina. I just said, yep, all those okay. stars. <laughs> Yay, stars. Um, we, we're still going to release on the 1st and the 15th of each month. Um, we have this great website, um, ozarkshaintsandhooch.weebly.com. Um, and the exciting new thing that we have to announce is we have a Patreon, finally. We So we're going to, we've got tiers of membership. We are getting merch in. Um, we hope to make that really exciting. So if you want to help some girls grow a little bit, please go on our Patreon and um, give us some love. And so along with that, we have our very first shout out, Dina. Ready? Okay. Yep. We want to thank Jay McMahon and Labels Unlimited for providing our labels to us that you can get as a Hoochie member. Yay! Yay. Wow, that was a lot. Is it 20 minutes over yet? (laughs) Um, 
so that is all of the exciting new news. Um, the format is going to change a little bit. So we're going to have a big story and then a little segment that might be a story. It might be a guest. It might be some other stuff. So, but tonight we're going to start out. Dina has got a really great ghost story. Oh, you know what? I got to do the drink, don't I? Yeah, let's do that first. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like... I'm just talking. I, it's my show. It's the Dawn show. So this drink, oh my God, is really gross. Um, frankly, I think so. It's called the Cherry Gobbler. And um, you will see why as soon as you hear Dina's story. So it is two ounces of wild turkey, three quarter ounce of grenadine, you shake that up in a shaker half full of ice, then you strain it over new ice, and then you fill it with what? Mellow yellow. <laughs> it's yeah. so gross. It's awful. It I, I don't like bourbon anyway. I would be better with just the mellow yellow and grenadine. <laughs> See, I could shoot bourbon right into my veins, but uh, I mellow yellow. Oh, yuck so but it goes with the story yeah so and scooter liked it he's drinking one right now well that doesn't <laughs> surprise me because i know he likes bourbon and i i'm yeah. quite sure he likes mellow yellow and let me yep. just say okay how's this for consumption it was cheaper for me to buy a two liter of mellow yellow than it was to buy a single bottle of Mountain Dew. Okay. So I told Dina, I'll be pouring that mellow yellow right down the sink when this is over because gross. Yeah. It's not, so, it's not good. It's not good at all. It's, it's not. not, not you, you, all, you can try it. And if you like it, you'll have to write and tell us. Um, we love yeah. to hear from you. All yeah. right. Now, Cherry Gobbler gobbler so dina take it away <laughs> hi everybody so when we first started discussing um doing this podcast in the very beginning a friend of mine who teaches history at the forsyth high school um told me to come look at his bookcase in his room when he got the position he um inherited a whole bunch of the previous teachers books so um, unfortunately, COVID restricted that I could not go in there, but he's awesome. His name is Colin. Hi, Colin. And Hi, Colin. he was, yeah, he's great. He was nice enough to take pictures of that bookcase. So one of the book, several pictures actually of that bookcase because my old eyes can't see very good. So one of the books that he was kind enough to let me borrow was called um, the Ghosts of Gobbler's Knob and Other Tales of the Hill Country, and it is by Viola Hartman. And just recently, I had a colleague from Shepherd of the Hills, and I will give a shout out to August because that's who I'm talking about. Um, he brought the Ghost of Gobbler's Knob up and asked me if I'd ever heard of it. So I decided it was a good time to read up on it. And I went back and forth on how to tell this story, but honestly, the author does such a nice job. And seeing that it's short, I'm just going to read that story to you, just in her own words. Um, so can I ask I'm, a 
Can I ask yes. a question? Yes. Maybe you're gonna um, tell me this, but, and I'm embarrassed to say, but where is Gobbler's Knob? It's in Hollister. Hmm. It's up on, um, what is that, BB? It's up through there. So, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give okay, you some more sorry. information. All right, I'll shut up. So, okay, here we go. I'm gonna clear my throat. So I've been fighting allergies, so just a moment. <laughs> We and that mellow have. yellow and grenadine is super sweet and makes my <laughs> throat gunky. Good. Anyway, here we go. Once in a while, a good tale comes along, and this one rates number one with me. I hadn't been long in the hill country when I heard several antidotes. Say it, Don. Antidotes. Incid what? Spell Ancidotes? it. Antidotes. Anecdotes. Anecdotes. There you go. Hey, let's start over. <laughs> that one shot of bourbon that I did. Anecdotes. That's the yeah. word I wanted. Concerning okay. the ghost of Gobbler's Knob, I was immediately bewitched. In Ozark terminology, a knob, like a bald, is a high hill or mountain, and there are numerous ones in the area. The pioneers had settled around this particular location, making it one of the oldest communities in Taney County. In the years following the rebellion, it boasted a school, church, cemetery and more recently the ghost of the man who donated all three for purposes to be held sacred forever he was Hardin Morin and the story went that when the moon rode the crest of a lonely cloud he would be there riding his big black stallion over the ridges and through the hollows his shotgun across the saddle and his jug of corn slung from the saddle horn his silhouette could often be seen on a rise above Coon Creek where he paused to unhook the jug lift it in the crook of his elbow and take a long drink Uncle Hardin, they said, had a terrible thirst for liquor, but his presence and peculiar, oh, I can't say this word either, peculiarities, peculiar, yeah, that's as good as it's getting, were accepted okay. in the same tolerant manner as other acts of God and nature. She then goes on to write about finding all the facts she could about Mr. Warren, and she found some courthouse records with a scrawled X for a signature on several documents, enough in fact to indicate that he had considerable property. His obituary gave his birth date as 1821 and his death as 1910, no surprise that he was buried at Gobbler's Knob in Hollister, Missouri. The author then goes on to tell that she found the resting place of Mr. Warren and his wife and what follows is that story. So I'm going to go back to my book here and I'm going to read you her story. I had no trouble locating the twin red granite monuments that marked the resting places of Hardin and Louisa Warren in the ancient cemetery. And as I stood reading the inscriptions, I became aware that I was not alone. An elderly gentleman had joined me, his eyes questioning my interest in the bare untended graves. Somehow introductions seemed unnecessary. Do you know them? He nodded. Did they live around here? I asked, for the man was surely a native. They did. This were part of the land he homesteaded. Give it for a school and a church way back. The homestead atop the rise overlooking the Kirbyville Valley. Sold out when he got to where he couldn't take care of it and moved to town. What kind of man was he? The old man thought a minute and answered, well, he were a pioneer. Helped to open this country with not much but raw courage and knowing the meaning of responsibility. Never looked for trouble. Never walked away from it either. 
He were a strong man, been in two wars, Mexican and civil, survived the bushwhackers and the ball knobbers, and, he chuckled, had his own, held his own with Aunt Lou, who were more troubled than all the others. Lou being his wife? Yep, bitty little thing she were, full of sass with a tongue like a broad axe and a temper to match. Bow-legged so she looked like a barrel trying to walk. But she were good to have around when trouble come, could bring a young and better in, could bring a young and better in old dock storms. Never had kids her own, but she'd know more about croup and summer complaint than most women with a house full. She were something, that gal. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Warren, was he a happy person? Man gazed at me in, a, in astonishment. Why wouldn't he be? Two pensions, best farm grown in these parts, even gold, though it was never showed up when he died. Now that was intriguing. Was there much of that around here? Gold, I mean. He scratched his chin with a rough hand. Not all that much, but some of them fellas come in here with it. Didn't cotton the paper money and can't say as I blame him. Lots of folks got stuck with the wrong kind when the fighting stopped. But gold, well, that were always good. And Uncle Hardin, he buried his just like most everyone done then. Weren't no bank. And even if there was, most folks wouldn't have used him. Ma always said he put it under one of them big flat rocks he used for a walkway. Likely true, because he used to sit out there in his yard in the shade of a big sycamore tree, what he could keep an eye on it and just cogitate. Well, I said, deciding to take the plunge, I've heard tales of his haunting these parts, and I couldn't help wondering why. Oh, the expression reduced the question to a hillman's logic. Probably something he feels like needing doing here, maybe looking for what was hisn. He looked at the big stone with the circular pillow resting on its top. Sure, I knew Harden Warren, Aunt Lou too. We all lived right there on Grand Avenue when Kirbyville were the biggest town this side of Springfield. Used to be a post office there and they lived in the house just behind. I were a kid then, but I remember the day he died. On a Saturday it were, and in the wintertime. They laid him out in one of the front rooms. That's the way they done things then. Weren't no funeral homes. Not many undertakers either. Usual men folks made coffins for family or friends, sawed out a pine and nailed together in a hurry because there weren't much time passed between dying and burying. Then the women covered the box with the outside with black cloth and lined it on the inside with muslin. Weren't fancy. Maybe, but it were done with care and a lot of consideration forever used it. The old man pulled a tobacco pouch from an obscure pocket and carefully filled his scarred cob pipe. After lighting it, he continued. Of course, there was fancier ones at the general store. Had one or two in the back room, storeroom. Matter of fact, it were a bought one for him. Not that he didn't have friends, you understand, but he were something special, and the fellow taking care of things bought a ready-made. Weren't Aunt Lou. She were tired in the helm tree, barking too puny to hardly know what were going on. I heard talk about it later, and the fellow that done it said he were putting it out information. Had his reasons, he said, and wanted the old gentleman to have the best of everything he could give him. It were the first fancy burying box I'd ever been close to. I never knew what happened when somebody died. Been a mite curious. I concluded to stick around and keep an eye on things. So at bedtime, instead of going to bed, I sneaked out of my house and went to the Warren place. The house had a center hall and rooms off each side. Uncle Hardin were in the front room on one side, and there were a group of folks still visiting across the hall. So I slipped in, took a peek at the body to see if any of the stories I'd heard was true. 
there weren't any pennies holding the eyes shut, but it were the first time I'd ever seen the beard looking so neat. His hands were folded across his chest and looked pretty bare because he usually had something in him, a pipe or a balled up bandana. Well, I looked around and saw one of them taking big clothes presses standing on the corner and I crawled in it to wait and see what happened. He hesitated, shifted his position and went on. Don't know what I was expecting, but nothing were going on. And it was so quiet, I just naturally fell asleep. All of a sudden, I were wide awake and scared half out of my skin because what seemed like a room full of voices right in my ear. Soon I realized what I were peeked through the crack of the doors of the cupboard and saw it was just the men from the town going to set up with the corpse. He nodded his head as though confirming a known fact. They done things that like that in them days. It were a way of showing respect for the family. Of course, in this case, there weren't no family, only Aunt Lou, but the neighbors was looking out for her. Well, them fellas talked a while, mostly about good, how good their dogs done running fox and treeing coons and passing around their jug right free and pre pretty regular. Then one of them said, poor Uncle Harden, first time he's ever been this close to a jug and didn't get a nip. The men hmm. thought on that for a moment. And another says, well, maybe we ought to offer him some. They kind of laughed a mite, but I could tell they was thinking on how the old man loved his jug and remembering the times he shared it with them. Why not? He'd have wanted that anyway. And danged if they didn't lift up Warren's head and pour some of that liquor down him. The old man chuckled again as the memory of the scene passed across his mind. He paused to light his pipe once more and then said, maybe that's why he keeps a coming back. Because one thing's for sure, that were the most satisfied corp ever laid away in Gobbler's Knob. Uh, that's that's her story which is super sweet and now that i i'm gonna have to look at this is how good of a researcher i am i just took it because it said hollister and i have another story about the high school i just took it for granted that that's where it was but they also talk about kirbyville so maybe it was more down by the school i'll have to when i'm done with my story i'll google real quick and see where it's at okay, okay. i love the I just want to say a lot of old people did not trust banks. So that's mm -hmm. true. That's why there's so much buried treasure around, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And I love and this the lady. Fact... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying she wrote like when she was writing how the man was speaking, she wrote as he has how he spoke. So yeah, it's which is super great. hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like uh, preaching Bill in Shepherd of the Hills. That's kind of exactly. what I felt like just then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Douglas Mankey wrote the foreword for the book, and he adds that the story, story truly depicts the sturdy pioneer Harden, uh, of Harden Warren and his wife, Aunt Lou. He stated that he remembered them well. The public road from Hollister to their family home south of Kirbyville passed directly in front of the Harden Warren home near Gobbler's Knob. He says, I was a young lad of nine years and recall that father stopped our wagon at the Warren home on hot days so our family of five could have a drink of cool water fresh from the well. Uncle Hardin and Aunt Lou would fetch the bucket of fresh water out to the wagon and from the Big Dipper refresh all of our thirsty family. 
70 years have swiftly passed since we stopped our wagon and team at the Hardin place. However, those two old folks so impressed me that I can in my mind's eye see them as if it were but yesterday. Uncle Hardin in his later years became very deaf and Aunt Lou shouted in a loud shrill voice regardless to whom she was talking. My mother had crocheted a tight fitting cap for our baby brother Reggie. One hot summer day, mother was holding Reggie on her lap, seated on the spring seat beside father as we stopped, as usual, at the Warren place. The old couple came from the front to the wagon. Aunt Lou observed the tight-fitting cap on the boy and frightened me half to death as she shouted, Mamie, that silly cap and that young one, you're going to bake his brains. As, as I was sitting in my, so that's the end of uh Mr. Mankey's little, but I thought that was kind of neat, his um, firsthand knowledge of stopping by Uncle Harden and Aunt Lou's house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, so as I was sitting at my kitchen table writing this story last night, um, my son Keith and his girlfriend came in and asked what I was, what it was about, because they know that I only get my computer out to write bills or write podcast stories. (laughs) <laughs> so when I told them, Noelia said she'd heard the story of the ghost of Gobbler's Knob as um, she graduated from Hollister. And when she was younger, they would have lock-ins at the school. And when the students would hear strange noises in the hallways of the elementary school, the Gobbler's Knob ghost would catch the blame. Oh. Yeah, they're still they're still talking about it, I guess. Well, you know how um, Hollister and Kirbyville are right there together. I mean, not on yeah. the road, but if as the crow flies, so yeah. Oh yeah, and who knows how? Like who knows how the the roads, um, how the roads went right back, back then, then. You know, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to look up there. Gobbler's Knob, Hollister mystery. Let's see. It is down JJ. Oh. Uh, BB and JJ. Okay, yeah, so, for you Taney County people, you know where that is. Yeah, it is down. It is down. There's a Gobbler's Knob Road that comes off of BB Highway. And oh, it looks okay. like you can get to it through uh, JJ too. Like Gobbler's Knob connects JJ to BB. Does that make, I, I know that makes sense to you, Don. Yeah. Yeah, y'all just have to look on a map, but it's sort of between Branson and Forsyth. I mean, if you all ever looked at that, because we've talked about those two towns a lot. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. While I was researching Mr. Warm, I came across a YouTube video from um, Motivated Lucas. Um, it, it is just shy of 30 minutes long, and he conducts a fairly thorough investigation. Investigation, um, Just to give you some background on the geography, um, like we said, it's located between BB and JJ, um, but it's located near a subdivision. So on most sides, it's surrounded by mobile homes. So when they first begin filming, um, he says that he can hear sounds of someone like hitting a metal sheet, but it's 2.45 in the morning and it's very close to a subdivision. It's not really a time that one should be hearing noises like that. And -hmm. it's not windy or anything like that. So during the investigation, um, he does a spirit box session and he asks if Mr. Warren is there and the box answers yes. 
and I don't know if you've ever heard Spirit Box, but like several voices come through, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, the yes was pretty clear. Um, so when he asks what year he passed, the answer comes back as 1910, which is the correct year. He asked about the hidden gold and the answer of in there comes back. But when he tries to get more information out of him, there are no more details given. Um, they hear that metal noise again and, um, several voices answer when it's asked who else is with them so he goes ahead and asks how many spirits the box comes and the box comes back with five nine eight and then two he also says that feels like he's being watched and even gets a flashlight out and shines the light around he is a division you know and but he doesn't see anybody um, at one point, he gets his dousing rods out, and he asks, um, asks Mr. Warren if he's next to him, and the rods indicated indicate that he is. Yes, mm. he is. Like, Eey. I think they cross. He says, cross, cross for yes, or I think he says, if you're standing next to me, please cross the rods, and the rods cross. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Creepy. Um, Yes, sorry, I lost my place. Okay, and then it it cuts after um, after that. It, they ask if they ask him if they want if he would like them to leave, and he says yes. So they do, and then it cuts to um, the studio, and he gives a little history, which I've kind of already given. Um, it's pretty interesting. So if you have thirty minutes, um, go give it a watch. I I, have, I will put it on the extras page. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, and it, like I said, it was it was pretty good i mean you can hear several different voices the spirit box session was probably the most interesting because with the rods and i'm i don't know this person but with the rods i mean you can always go well aren't you moving those (laughs) i mean even if they say i'm not moving these right you can't you can't prove that to me um with with the spirit boxes i mean when they're asking questions you can't really i mean unless they downloaded I just think it's harder to fake the spirit box. Mm-hmm. Huh. So anyway, um, I'm going to end with some history of mom's picture that she has drawn. And, and then I will also post the real picture that is de- it is depicted from. So it's a picture of Harden Warren, and it was found in a trunk along with some other photographs. The original photo was of Harden and his wife, um, Aunt Lou, but it was so badly faded that the only image that was able to be reconstru- reconstructed was that of Mr. Warren. Um, and that reconstruction was done in the late 70s by Dick Cahoe. Or, I don't know if it's Cahoe or Kehoe. It's K-A-H-O-E. Um, and he is in Branson, Missouri. I just thought that was interesting. And that's kind of how the whole, like, nobody would have known anything about that man besides of word of mouth until that picture is what I get from doing research. So, okay. And that, that is the end of my story. That's great. That's nice. great. And I love the fact that, um, Noelia, like that, that Hollister kids know about this. Yeah. Yeah. She That's was like, great. Oh, I've heard about that. And I was like, really, I'm writing this step. I'm writing the step. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll put all that stuff on the extras for sure. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Uh Uh-huh.
Well, I'm gonna, so, you know, Dana and I are um, sort of just trying new things, but I came across um, for, for my, the littler segment, I hope it's littler. Um, so I have been hanging out on Reddit. I don't, Dana, do you know what Reddit is? Yes, I get on it every now and then, yes. Okay, well, there's an R Ozarks, which you guys ought to go lurk on there because um, there's some pretty cool stuff that, that ends up on there. But there's also, you know, because I am the way I am, there's a subreddit called High Strangeness. And that's for anything supernatural, alien, whatever. Okay, mm -hmm. so the other morning I was laying in bed and I'm reading through High Strangeness, as you do. And I came upon um, a post about, um, if you guys remember season two, episode 13, um, I did a story on Cherokee little people. And in the story, I talk a little bit about how they're um, similar to the Fae, the Irish or, you know, Scottish Fae. And um, so I came upon this post about um, Yupik, um, which is uh, Alaskan uh, little people. So I'm, I'm just going to read the post um, because uh, I think I found it really interesting. So um, the, the Yupik word for these mythical little folk are, I'm gonna spell it because there's no way I can pronounce this. It's I-R-C-E-N-R-R-A-Q-S. Would you like I to want try? You, I want you to try. You I, try and say them. No, Ursin, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Anyway, these Yupik mythical little folk are said to exist since the beginning of time. And um, they, are also claimed to be semi-demons due to the fact that they shapeshift and surf both the human and the underworld. So that's a little bit oh. different than the Cherokee little yeah. people. Many people have seen them or unknowingly seen them as animals, birds, or even objects when they choose not to be visibly seen by people. Um, and so uh, he, this person goes on to say, many of you, no matter your culture and traditions have heard of them. I think he means the little people, not necessarily these particular mm -hmm. ones. So he says, I've seen them from afar, but others have seen them up close and in detail. These beings are also known to jump through walls and manifest in homes. A person I know mentioned just that, a little old wrinkled woman dressed in dirty fur clothing, jumped into her bedroom and walked through into the living room and vanished. Another time, a little old man, no more than two feet tall, also jumped into a woman's home and leaped out on the opposite wall in a matter of seconds. So that's a little bit different too, that, that being able to pass through solid stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. It seems that they are careful when they allow themselves to be seen. It is said some are evil and deceptive and other we folk that are helpful to humans and others are we folks that are helpful to humans. So um, we don't, I, don't, I don't remember any of them being, I, there were some that were tricksters, but not evil. Um, overall, regardless what they are and what they're capable of must be respected. 
Never take your chances to taunt or try to harm them. They will always get the best of you for they have the power of darkness at their beck and call. And so if you remember, that's, uh, you know, the little people, you, you always gave them food and that kind of stuff, or they mm -hmm. do you harm. But I don't, the evil part is kind of interesting. So this story was posted on the state's daily news network, but was deleted later. And this is in the author's own words, which he shared to a Facebook group. So here comes the story. Okay. Some years back, I decided to hunt geese early May 7th, 2008. The weather was great. The birds were flying. After work, I trekked overland on the tundra passing Pilcher Mountain over into the lakes and marshes by snow machine. There was very little snow due to the warm weather. After packing snacks, I headed out alone. Upon arrival to my hunting area, I noticed a fellow hunter and decided to build a hunting blind not far from him. Hours passed and the wind was picking up, which drove the waterfowl to fly higher. It was nearing 10 o'clock in the evening and my hunting buddy decided to head home. On a hunch, I opted to stay and set up a hunting blind on the upper end of the marsh. Before that, I counted about eight or more snow machines passing through. There was a lot of open water and conditions were dangerous. After reaching my destination, I set up a hunting spot in a clearing. As the birds began to arrive, I was excited and looking forward to going home with a few fat geese. As I crouched down to aim at a descending flock, my peripheral vision on my left eye locked on a smart dark, small dark object about 150 yards out. Upon glancing, I saw a small boy out in the marsh looking at me. Thinking I was seeing things, I looked away and looked back. He was still there motionless. Surprised because he had appeared out of nowhere, I went out to greet the kid. I asked him a lot of questions. He did not answer. The boy appeared dazed, disoriented, and afraid. He had on a hoodie, a thin jacket, and tennis shoes, but he was dry, even though there was water all around him. Thinking his ride had fallen through at the other end of the portage, I used stern language to get his attention. All he'd say was, I don't know. By then I was upset thinking whoever brought him may have drowned and he's not telling me anything. Then he stated he was alone. After having him swear the truth, he asked me to take him home. I offered him candy, a soft drink or food. He refused. I found that odd a seven or eight year old refusing goodies. Shortly, we headed homeward over the hill and down the valley towards Marshall. Nearing Marshall, he asked that I drop him off at his grandmother's versus his parents. And I even escorted him to her home. When I told the grandmother where I found him, her jaw dropped. She mentioned seeing him several hours before and thanked me. It wasn't till the next day that I learned what had actually happened to him. The boy had been abducted by the little folk, lured away from the village and tricked into their custody. Inside the mountain, he saw thousands of little spe people speaking English, Yupik, and a language he'd never heard before. There were many tunnels, remember all the tunnels in Western Carolina, and glowing yes. rocks for lighting, glowing rocks for lighting, reminds me of Silver Dollar City. Okay. Um, according to the kid, he saw a little girl, a captive who was closely guarded. After being questioned, they showed him three tunnels. 
He chose one and exited behind the mountain alone back in the human realm, into the human realm. What seemed like a few minutes was about four hours. He told his family when he saw me, he wasn't sure if I was human and was terrified of me. That explains why he was so pale and his unwillingness to speak to me or answer my questions. I often wondered if the little people intentionally put him where I found him or if it was a more, more of a coincidence. Of all the hunters passing by, no one else saw him. That fact had me baffled for a while. What had happened was a paranormal encounter or something out of the ordinary. The little people who our elders often told of had taken this child and released him. I believe he is lucky. Some taken are often kept. There are more details about his abduction only he knows. The boy is now a grown man and I'm grateful I saw and returned him home to his family that evening. The area where I found him is often frequented by huge tundra grizzlies and brown bears. This story ran in the Anchorage Daily News and I can still remember all the phone calls from nosy reporters as far away from as Germany seeking facts. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, so this is what I, what do they do with the kids they keep? I, I don't know. I mean, no story I've ever read says that. They just, either they, keep, maybe they work for them. Either they keep them um, and they never come home or they come back and they're disoriented. And if you remember the ones about the Cherokee little people, sometimes when they're returned, they end up dying, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Strange. So, so strange. Yeah. yeah I just wonder, so I just want to know what they do with them. Why you want them? Who knows? <laughs> what is, yeah. Um, but it's interesting, right? That um, oh yeah. I mean, so many cultures have that story, like have yeah. a version of their own little person. Yeah. And and so much, so many parts of it are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's just a little follow up. So, um, yeah. There, there you go, everybody. This this is our season three, episode one. Tina, you got anything you want to say here before we sign off? Nope. Talk about how great that drink is. Oh my gosh. I have not. I'm honestly, it's still full. And I'm just going to go either see if my husband wants it or throw <laughs> it away. I know. mine, <laughs> And mine make is... something that I want. Mine is kind of half full because I'm hanging on the taste of the bourbon, right? I'm just oh. like, oh, I can taste the bourbon. That's okay. Yeah. Nope. And nope. I can't taste the bourbon and that's my problem. And that's not okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not okay. So. All right. Well, you, you guys, sorry about the drink. Dina and I've decided we're going to, haven't we? I hope I'm not lying. Yes. No, um, we we're going to. We, you know how we, we've said before that Pam and I always liked kind of the same thing and Dina and Deidre like the same thing. So now it, it's going to be me and Dina for a while and we don't like the same thing. So we're just going to make each other force. We're going to force yeah. each other to Except power through. Neither one of us like this one. So what, what good did that do us? I know, but for different <laughs> reasons. Like if I could suck That's out the true. mellow yellow, it would be fine. <laughs> So, no no yeah, and if well, i could suck out the bourbon it would be okay and replace it with i don't know anything oh <laughs> well 
So, so next time you get to come up with a drink and I will drink it and gripe about it, even though I griped about this one too. Well, thank you all again. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh, Dina, I have to announce that I got an email today from Podbean and we reached our 5,000th download. 5,000. That's pretty good. Yes, that's, that's okay. awesome. I you you emailed that or texted me that earlier, but I had but kids, so I didn't text yeah. all the people. So yay, yay us. And thank you all for listening. Um, when you listen, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you are on. Leave us stars. Make sure that you start commenting now. We'd really like to hear what you have to say, and we could really use your suggestions. We're on or your stories. If you have if you have gobbler's knob stories or if you have little people stories, please let us know those. Oh, and yeah, you may you may get a shout out on um, the podcast. We may we may tell your story. And if you look at the Patreon, you may get something even extra more special. That's right. So now I'm kind of dumb about the Patreon. Um, I created it and um, honestly, I'm going to tell you, I haven't launched it yet because we're recording a little bit earlier, but I will. But I think if you go on there and in the search bar, you put Ozarks Haints in the letter N Hooch, that's how our page comes up. So look for that. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and of course, our website, OzarksHaintsAndHooch.Weebly.com. So we're going to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Dina. Dina, I said bye. Oh, you did. You cut out. Okay. Bye. See ya. (laughs) And remember, if you liked it, tell all your friends. And if you didn't, keep keep your your big big mouth mouth shut. shut.